0: reads anymore anyway. If you're listening to this, you're clearly not reading. But there's something to say about words, what they can do, what they mean to us. For me, I think I developed a real understanding and appreciation for language. At an early age, watching movies and then eventually reading books. But I went back to kind of taking in words through speech and through conversation, which is why I think in the second half of my life, after high school, I pretty much stopped reading books and began consuming stories, not just in the usual ways of movies and film, but in audiobook form. I developed a pretty big fixation on having stories told to me, which when you think about it from a historical perspective that's the way it's been done. Before writing really became a prevalent method of communication and conveying stories and meaning, it all started with the spoken word, and it was passed down generationally through the spoken word. And there's something to say about having to recall and then deliver ideas, anecdotes, stories, apart from writing them, I've considered myself a writer for a very long time. In fact, I've worked hard to become the best writer I can be. Whether it's stories or professional communication, whatever it is, I've always been very focused on utilizing language and metaphor and proper terminology to really be the most effective communicator that I could be. Creatively speaking, I've enjoyed the of poetry and the musical quality to a lot of writing and how that weaves with the visuals that are painted inside your head with words one of the things i really appreciate and even envy of tremendously gifted writers the fact that they are not in front of me they have put words on a page and somehow they are in my head the writer is in my head with a paintbrush painting on this canvas of my mind. All the colors are already in my head, from my memories and experiences, my comprehension of language, and they're taking that and they are drawing pictures and imagery that could potentially stay in my head forever. That notion of forever is something I think about when I think about art, because really, why do people make art? Sure, there's a satisfaction in creation, But when I think about my own connection with art, when I think about my own connection with why I create things, inevitably I I get to the idea that I want to create something that I feel good about, that reflects how I felt at the time, but also something that I can go back to and refer to and look at and possibly remember and attached to the emotions that I once had for any given topic or idea. That sounds pretty abstract, but if you've created something that you're proud of, maybe you can relate. When I think deeper about it, I think, well, why, why would you want to create something that you, you go back and you look at and you feel something about? I'm not really sure of the answer, and I'm sure it might be different for a lot of people. But I think seeing something like a graffiti on the wall that says Kilroy was here, to me it represents a very basic form of art in the sense that at a particular time and in that particular space, someone was there, they had a paintbrush or a spray can, and they wanted to leave something behind to let everyone know that they were there. Sounds pretty simple, right? But why would they do that? Why would they want to let other people know that they were there when in fact they're probably not there anymore? I feel like there's a connection with this to writing, at least in the kind of creative writing that moves me or the things that I try and create. I almost wanna be able to speak to an audience that I know is not in front of me, but that at the time that they receive that message, it's like I'm right there and I'm holding that paintbrush. I'm trying to connect, despite the fact that it's not a direct connection. It could be words on a page, it could be images on a screen, it could be music coming out of speakers. Whatever that art is, it's that yearning for connection. But in the simplest terms of writing your name on the wall and letting everyone know you were there, we can even dig a little bit further and say, well, why would anyone want to do that? Who cares? I think I know why. It gets a little philosophical at this point. We all are afraid of dying. Maybe if you're not afraid of dying, you're at least cognizant of the fact that you're not going to be around forever. I think throughout human history, we've been on a pretty consistent quest to not only extend our life, but really to try and live forever. Sounds pretty ridiculous. But when I say live forever, I'm not sure if I'm talking about the physical sense, or in the almost science fiction sense of being around like a soulless vampire, or some other kind of being that is unable to die. Because truly, physical immortality is a lonely thing. To watch all your loved ones and all the people you've ever known perish and be gone, at a certain point, there'll be no one and nothing left except you not a very appealing way to look at immortality but a true way now what i mean is i feel like at least in my own understanding quest for immortality in terms of creation is to create something that outlives you and that continues on without you and somehow represents you even when you're not there i feel like that's an essence to creation and an essence to art that I connect with. People can create for a lot of different reasons, lots of motivations to use a skill or a talent or a creativity. And while some of those things are appealing or have been appealing to me at times, I feel like at the heart of what I want to do and what I do is to somehow create and leave my mark as Kilroy did on a wall So that at some point in time somebody ideally my children or even my children's children can come by and look and connect with me even though i'm not there but really this audience that i'm intending my writing and these recordings for are my children now if you're listening to this and you're not related to me and you're not one of my kids that's fine too but remember that where these words come from is from a place inside me that really does want to live forever but not on a wall not even on a page i want to be able to live on when i'm not here in the minds of my children and their children i want to be able to have a conversation with them one-sided but a conversation nonetheless where i can speak to my children about what i have felt what i've done and what i do to make that connection so in a sense this is my verbal quest for immortality a lot of great people throughout history are still alive in our minds because of the things that they've done the things they've done for society the things they've accomplished historical figures artists so many great human beings continue to live on because we allow them to live in our minds because of what they've created i certainly do not equate myself with one of these people in human history. I am humbled by that type of person and those people who have changed our lives and society as a whole and the world, especially in this day and age of seemingly excessive narcissism and a very kind of trademark poisonous mentality of, I hesitate to say, a millennial expectation and sense of entitlement to be heard and for everyone to care about what you do and what you say and what you look like all so that you can evaluate your own self-worth. I'm not trying to make my voice heard above the noise of all of that. But if you hear my voice then maybe that counts for something. I really am just speaking to my children here. Because I hope that Perhaps one day, if I'm not able to say these things, or if I'm no longer even there to say these things, that I can still connect with them on this level, and that they will know that in this moment, when I said them, that they were true, and they, were, they came from the heart of who I am. I really did have a fear, not of dying, not of even growing old. It's just the thought that someday, the thoughts and ideas, and the emotions, and the comprehension that I have now of my own existence, and my own life, and the things that I've chosen to do, that all these things will somehow be inaccessible and unable to help somebody, unable to help my loved ones or my kids. I have three children at the time of this recording, ages five, almost five, I should say, two, and not even half a year. Some of the most significant memories I've created with them, at least that are cherished by me, and that I will continue to remember, are the conversations and connections I have with them late at night, when maybe we're reading books, when I'm telling them stories, and when we venture off into some kind of curious topic, where lots of questions sprout from a seed, and we're able to explore why things are and how things are. My dad spoke at my wedding, and he mentioned that when I was a kid, I used to kind of make fun of him because he would talk to me and give me nuggets of advice and morsels of wisdom, things that I would refer to as fortune cookies. But instead of a single, almost obtuse statement written on a piece of paper, He was talking about these conversations that we would get into where I, as a quote, inquisitive boy, would ask him all of these questions. Questions that almost were of a philosophical nature, that really picked apart why things are the way they are. I think opening up my mind at such a young age to questioning everything that I see not in a critical sense, but in a curious sense, just wonder of why, and trying to understand the world around me became a defining characteristic in my exploration of art. And so now, with my position as a father, I'm almost going down that same path with my kids, and I'm finding that it's just as fulfilling to be on the other end, because making people curious about the world inspires them to continue to ask questions and to seek that wonder about the rest of the world. That's why I'm doing this. I've got a lot to say and I've said it through a number of mediums, even on this podcast. You'll see, or I should say, you'll hear two distinct voices from me. The first one encompassed the first five dozen episodes of this podcast, which were actually chapters from various stories and even a novel that I wrote. I always felt that language was something that had to be crafted and thought about and analyzed and structured to give equal validity to the nature of creativity, character development, entertainment, and then underneath that, the questioning of behavior and the nature of life, all of these things or ingredients that I would put together in writing and try and sculpt into something that was worthy of, at least for me, revisiting and reconnecting with. So that first voice sounds very different from this one because that one is prepared, that one is scrutinized, that one is molded and shaped into something that is specific and conscious. The voice you're listening to now is essentially opposite of that. It's extemporaneous. It's not prepared. Nonetheless, it has the same quality of attempting to find that connection and that balance with the words that are produced from the thoughts. Does that sound a little bit too out there? Maybe. But again, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe this is just me talking to myself. But I'd like to think that it's more than that. I'd like to think that I am talking to my kids, because I'm not afraid of dying, but I would be terrified to know that if I wasn't here anymore, that no one would know I was. More specifically, that my children wouldn't know. I have this fantasy of my kids, or my grandkids, in some distant future, looking through some kind of archive or collection of objects, and other items that made up my life. Photographs, writings, anything that I may have created while I was here. I pictured them going through that and discovering moments and possibly sharing those moments with me and connecting to them and somehow getting to know who I was. I'm hoping that this would be another part of that. Go away with words because really that first voice, nothing wrong with that. In fact, that voice will continue to thrive and continue to be there, preparing every single statement, preparing every single paragraph, every chapter, and really trying to be the architect of a greater story that has so many things mixed in. If writing stories and novels is like composing a symphony, then what I'm trying to do now is almost dance to that music. But I'm gonna try and dance to it with words and let them just go they won't be written anywhere they won't be edited there's no spell check if you're on the dance floor you're just moving to it and I'm hoping there's that certain fluidity to the ideas and the notions that I talk about and bring up that can somehow achieve that balance that I work towards in other writings that's what this second voice is all about so away with words let them go. I don't have to scrutinize over every single verbal structure of metaphor and figurative language. Let's see how this works. I hope you'll stick around because this could be fun. I'm hoping I'll get something out of it because I've always gotten something out of using my words and using language to create a way with words. Good riddance. You know, I don't want to live forever in a physical sense. I wouldn't mind sticking around after I'm gone, and I think that art is a way to do that. I think that there's a way for all of us to continue to affect people after we're not here, and there's a certain sense of fulfillment in doing these things that doesn't just tie to the moment, but ties to the idea that there'll be moments well after you're not there. So This is my Kilroy was here. This is the way to live forever. I'm not trying to do anything profound. I'm not trying to create anything groundbreaking. I'm just trying to find a way to talk to my kids after I'm gone. A Go away with words. No one would read them anyway. Hell, no one's read any of mine. But if you're listening, then maybe you'll see that there is a way, a way to live forever. Maybe there's a way with words.